Dean Cannon. We've got time here on The Breakfast Show. We are about to get into text messages and Bible study time. Before we do, as always, we have another question for our quiz. All right, next question for the quiz. Besides King Herod, who else was disturbed by the news of a new king? Okay. Okay, this is actually multiple choice. So, oh. A, his... His his mum, his mama, his ma is that King Herod's mum? Okay. So A King Herod's mum. Uh B the King's Court. C all of Jerusalem. Or D the Roman prefect Gaius Petronius. If you know the answer to that one, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. That's funny. That's that's some that's some funny clues. But hey, let's let's read it. Let's read it again. Uh, besides King Herod, who was disturbed by the news of a new king? A his mum. B the king's court. Cipros was her C. Name. Oh, thank you. Yeah. C all of Jerusalem or D the Roman prefect Gaius Petronius. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Of course, our amazing prize this week is our Bible study companion set. Companion set, Conflict of the Ages box set that we'll give to you absolutely for free, provided you win the draw, provided you get answers correct and get in the draw. But that, again, that number zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Okay. Did, okay. Did you know that his mother was named Cypros? No. Is that in the Bible? No. How did you know that? Because I know stuff. Well, it's probably historical, right? Because King Herod's a pretty historical, historical figure. figure. Yeah, there were like four King Herods, but this one's Herod the Great. Uh huh. He like the first. Yes. Is he the well, first? the first famous one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, Lyle, do you have some text messages? We do have some text messages. Uh, let me see here. Oh, we've got a whole heap of them. Where did these come from? Mm-hmm. I didn't even see this coming through. All right, <laughs> let's, let's let's jump in them. The mind. Imagine Adam and Eve, or for that matter, the antediluvian world. They could use a hundred hundred percent of their brain with total memory recall. Mm. Now that is the good old days. <laughs> well, in part, at least. Uh-huh. You know, except for that one small thing to do with the tree. Yeah, that's right. Uh, which wasn't so small. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's a very good point. Imagine, you know, there's obviously, you know, if they can just shine a blue light into your eyes and you can get 25% more memory recall, mm-hmm. uh, there, there, is bl- obviously latent, there is obviously latent ability there mm-hmm. that we are unable to tap into at this time. Mm-hmm. It's not blue light, wow. That would just be like getting your phone and shining in your face. It's It's a laser. Laser. It's a laser. But, yeah, speaking of the good old days, every time... The good old days comes up. My dad says, the good old days when they used to send kids down the mines. That's that's like the best joke my dad's ever told in his whole life. <laughs> um, anyways. Your dad works for the mines. He should be in favor of that. <laughs> um, okay, medical-assisted deaths. Welcome to the New World Order. Not only saving money, but it's to do with the population of the world. Uh, President Trudeau is a New World Order boy. That's a fact. Uh, the research has been done. Your argument is based on truth. Theirs is based on lies. This world is ruled by Satan, and mm. he is not pulling back his agenda. The good news is that God also has his agenda. Mm. Guess who wins in the end? Yeah, praise God. Amen. Uh, there are apparently this says there are YouTube presentations on medical assisted deaths on offer by governments about this. Very sad, but also interesting. Mm. Um, the only way to enjoy Christmas make it about Jesus and not self. That resolves most problems. Mm. Uh, true Christians don't drink. We don't have this major problem, although, like you said, we can and do overindulge in good food mm. with a bunch of um, 
very expressive emojis. <laughs> oh, that, that's Blake's favourite thing. We also suffer the consequences. Indeed, mm-hmm. we do. So the moral for this Christmas is don't overindulge and don't suffer the consequences. Mm-hmm. Okay, do we really need presents for Christmas? Would it be better to give a real present, true love? And mm. then Pope Francis, his words are cheap. He is the richest man in the world about using his World, what about using his power to stop the war and the whole world worship the beast? Okay, his words are cheap, but at the same time they are not untrue in this case. Mm. Uh, there's no, no there's absolutely, there's no problem that he's got, he's got plenty of money that he could use to solve world hunger and solve a lot of problems in the world. And, and you know, help me. He, he just, could do that he, as well. He could buy me things. And why doesn't he? Because, Lawson, you are an irresponsible boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing keeping me from from the treasury of the Roman Catholic Church. The one thing that keeps me out is my personal irresponsibility. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, that is such a shame. I'll work on that. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll let I'll let Francis know. Lawson's working on it for next year. Of course you would let Francis know, Lyle. You're a lizard. Anyways. Uh... <laughs> you shouldn't have told me. <laughs> exposed. Exposed. <laughs> oh, dear. All right, we need to get back to uh, more. We got any more text messages coming through here? Uh, we no, don't. Well, Everybody's going quiet. Okay, come right. on, guys. Wake up. Well, you, under, you know, I understand. It's coming to Christmas time. Like, you're not really going to work. You're not really getting out. But what you can do is be blessed by the breakfast show regardless. I love putting my headphones in. And cooking while listening to, to to radio, podcast, music, Faith FM. Oh, yes, it's on just, the app. It's just the best. Yeah, pl- chuck the headphones in. I'm just like bopping my head along to you know some some banger that producer Shell has queued up and just cooking up some food. Oh, it's, it's the best. And that's what you do at this time, right? It's like Absolutely. 8 a.m. It is indeed. Mm. Fantastic stuff. Let's jump into our Bible study, and it is it's 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 all about the millennium. Mm. What can I say? This is an awesome study. Okay, so we're going to Revelation chapter 20. Is, is that what we're going to do? First Corinthians chapter 6. Oh, oh okay. But- now, nah, why don't we give a bit of background to this? Why don't we give a bit of background? Let's go to First Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse so 16 I- and 17 and 18. I'm just turning there in my Bible. First Thessalonians Chapter 4, where the Bible says in verse 16 to 18, before you read it, mm-hmm. what we're going to look at is the second coming. Mm-hmm. Because the second coming comes before the millennium. That's what the Bible says. You find that right there in Revelation mm-hmm. chapter 19. You've got Jesus comes on a white horse with the armies of heaven coming to this earth to destroy the beast and uh, those that follow the beast, the images of the beast and so forth. And so that's the second coming of Jesus. And then the Bible says the millennium begins, the thousand years of peace. So what we're going to do is we're going to find, well, when that happens, what happens to all the people? Mm-hmm. Go for it. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will raise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Okay, so what happens when Jesus comes back? What happens to the... Because you've got four groups when Jesus comes back. Uh-huh. Four groups of people. That's uh-huh. it. 
You've got the righteous who are living, the righteous who are dead, the wicked who are living, and the wicked who are dead. What happens to the righteous who are dead? They are dead. They stay... Well, they no, they are resurrected. They're resurrected. This, yes. And what happens to them after they're resurrected? Then they are caught up to meet Jesus. And what happens to the righteous who are living? They are also caught up to meet Jesus. Okay. And where is where is Jesus going to take them? Uh, I'm thinking John 14 verse... Uh, one to three. One to three. My house, there are many mansions. I'll go and prepare so, a place for you. I would have told you, mm-hmm. I go to prepare a place for you. Yep. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again to this earth to receive you under mm-hmm. myself that where I am in heaven, there you may be also. It's also super important to, especially regarding this verse. Now, people read those words caught up. Yes. And they're like, oh, that means when the secret rapture happens and we are translated up, you know, we'll disappear and then we'll be, you know, we'll, we'll reappear above the clouds with Jesus. Uh, but, like, the Bible clearly says in Matthew 25 that the angels from heaven will collect the elect from one end of the earth to the other. To the other. So, when it's saying caught up, it literally means caught up by angels. Like literally, like, yes. like in the most clearest sense, like because of the information that we have from Jesus's own words, it's like they catch people, they take them by the hand, the angels, and take them up to Christ. So, yeah, the, I, I've seen that, like people asserting, oh no, the secret rapture is real because the Bible says they're caught up. I'm like, yeah, that. It's a rapture. They are resurrected from the they're grave, raptured. and there's nothing secret about it. You don't go around yelling about things. You know, yeah. the voice of a the voice of the archangel. You don't go yelling about things if you try and do it secretly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But they're caught up by the angels. They take them by the hand and collect yes. the righteous and take them to Jesus and reunite families. Mm. Mm. Indeed. All right, so you're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. Sorry, what was that, Lyle? Yeah, I was going to say, what happens to the wicked who are on earth at this particular time? Let's go to Second Thessalonians chapter mm-hmm. 1. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, and I assume we're going to read, what, verse 7, eight? seven and 8? Yep. And God will provide the rest for you who are being curse- persecuted and also for us when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven. He will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who do not know God and on those who refa- refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. And the next verse? What's the next verse say? In verse 9, it says, They will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. Okay, so what happens to the wicked who are alive when Jesus comes back? They're destroyed. They're destroyed. Mm. That's what the Bible says. Mm. Okay, so what about what happens to the wicked who are dead when Jesus comes back? Well, they'll just be dead, right? Yeah. yeah. Because cause if the wicked alive are being destroyed to become dead... The Bible says in Revelation uh, 20 and verse 6, it says, But the rest of the dead did not live again Mm -hmm. until the thousand years are expired, Mm -hmm. finished. Mm -hmm. And so essentially what you've got is a resurrection here, or two resurrections that are separated by a thousand years. The Bible says, Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. Mm -hmm. Well, you've got the first resurrection, then you've got the second one. So mm-hmm. the first resurrection, the second one, uh, the Bible talks about, you know, blessed and holy is he who who takes part in the first resurrection. So the first resurrection involves the righteous. Mm. The Bible says the rest of the dead, who's the rest of the dead? If the righteous are alive, then the rest of the dead are the wicked. The rest of the dead lived not again until a thousand years were finished, mm. expired, 
over and done. So you've got two resurrections separated by a thousand years. Yeah, you definitely want to be in the first one. Definitely want definitely. to be in the first one. And uh, that's what First Thessalonians chapter 4, like 13, 18, that first resurrection. And actually, we've got a text message here from David where he's just saying, I love those verses because it starts off and it's like, you know, don't let yourself become discouraged concerning those who have fallen asleep, like all of your brethren who have died. And then, it, you know, goes through because they'll be resurrected and they'll be caught up to Jesus. And then it finishes with, you know, comfort one another with these words. And David just saying, like, I love that text because it is comforting to Absolutely. know that. Jesus will come back and he, despite, you know, your death, he will resurrect you and you'll be caught up to, as you were saying before, reunite families. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay, so where did we get up to? We were, okay, so we're talking about what happens to the people. So now how many, after Jesus comes back, how many people are left alive on earth? Zero. No one, not a single solitary soul. Mm -hmm. They are all gone. The wicked are all dead, the righteous are all in heaven, and the Bible says that the thousand years begins. Okay, so what we've got to understand then is, you know, what is the actual, what, what is the purpose uh, of the millennium? Why does it actually even exist? A couple of other verses, Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 23. Jeremiah 4 and verse 23, just to illustrate this point. This is actually a, a passage that describes uh, the world just after the return of Christ. So, yeah. I looked at the earth, and it was empty and formless. I looked at the heavens, and there was no light. I looked at the mountains and the hills, and they trembled and shook. I looked at all the people, uh, looked, and all the people were gone. All the birds of the sky had flown away. I looked, and the fertile fields had become a wilderness. The towns lay in ruins, crushed by the Lord's fist's anger. Okay, so the Bible's very, very clear about this, mm. that when Jesus comes back, the world is going to be completely depopulated of all living inhabitants. Mm. Uh, there is nobody left. And, uh, you know, it's even even you know, the, the, the hills tremble, the Bible says. The mountains are trembling. And, you know, you can sort of see why, because just before Jesus comes back, you've got that great earthquake. And, well, there's a few aftershocks that are running around the world. Mm. Okay, so the world is completely empty and then the millennium begins. Mm. Okay, so when the millennium begins, the Bible says that Satan is chained. Mm. How, do you, how do you chain Satan? Can you know if Satan was to appear in the office right now, and we know that he is, you know, regularly visiting or constantly visiting different parts of this world, and if uh, if it's not Satan, it's going to be one of his angels. But let's say that he was to appear. Mm. Could you throw some cuffs on him? I could not. I yeah, I absolutely no, could not, because he's a spirit being. <laughs> That's right. You can't he, go chaining up spirit beings. He's he's a divine being, who supernatural I, being. Is, yeah, a supernatural. He's a supernatural being. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can't go throwing chains on somebody like that. That's actually an impossibility. And yet the mm-hmm. Bible says that he's chained. And so let's go over to Revelation chapter twenty, and let's read about how this takes place, and the purpose for binding or chaining Satan up. Mm -hmm. So Revelation chapter 20 is where we're going to head to now. And we will read uh, verse 1, 2, and 3, please. Then it's then the angel... Sorry. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He sees the dragon, that old serpent, who is the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut 
and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations any more until the thousand years were finished. Afterward, he must be released for a little while. Okay, so what is the purpose for chaining Satan up? Um, to keep him in a state where he cannot deceive anyone. Okay, so let's think about where then is the bottomless pit. The bottomless pit doesn't actually mean a hole in the ground. It means a desolate wasteland. Mm-hmm. And the Bible describes our world as being without form and void after the return of Christ. Mm-hmm. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, you find that in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible describes our earth as being without form and void. Mm. And so essentially what God does is that when you know the time comes for Jesus to come back and for sin to be over, uh, he resurrects the righteous, he takes the living righteous, they all meet him in the clouds, he takes them to heaven, uh, the wicked are destroyed on this earth. And God takes it back to scratch. Yep. Well, that's actually what the Bible says. If you keep reading through the passage in Jeremiah chapter 4, we're reading like the next couple of verses says like, he will completely lay low and destroy the earth, but not completely. Like he will, he will destroy and lay low the earth, but not in, like he doesn't literally blow the earth up and, you know, delete it from existence. But it is in that state of there is nothing there and there is nothing in it. The same as what it was when, you know, we read Genesis 1 and, God's spirit is hovering over the waters of the deep. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, there's something there, a big rock, but it's then God, you know, acting and creating and creating atmosphere and all these kinds of things that enables life to live on it. But that's the state in which it is, is in, which makes sense because no one's living. Everyone's like dead and there is no life there except for Satan who is there, not able to deceive anyone because everything is dead and everyone is gone. Yes. Mm. Absolutely. All right, so he is chained up essentially by the circumstances in which he finds himself. He's not allowed to go anywhere else in the universe. It's the only place that's ever accepted him. He's stuck here. The place is a desert. Yeah. It's like being condemned to live in the middle of the Sahara for a thousand years. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be a whole lot of fun. Mm-mm. Just a terrible experience. Yeah, especially like if you lived in the middle of the Sahara for a thousand years, at least like as a human being, you, you know, you got to scavenge i guess to find some food or something whereas like yeah. like there'd be a little bit of activity satan's existence as an angel is one that is totally relational mm-hmm. and based on his interactions because from what we understand angels don't eat or no. drink or sleep no, they don't the bible they, says that they are a spiritual being mm-hmm. or they they don't give him marriage or yep. like they are a totally relational being and now satan is being completely deprived of his one goal, which is to have a relationship with humans that lead them away from God. And he has been intensely active for the last 6,000 years, mm. and it's just like the switch is switched off. He's in, he, he heads into retirement. but Forced retirement. He's got no super fund there to, to support him <laughs> no, through that. That's right. <laughs> that's right, and there's no golf to play or fish to catch. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is where Satan ends up at this particular time. Now we come to verse 4. And what we've got to look at is the purpose for the millennium. Why does the millennium even exist? Yeah. Mm. And this is really critical here in verse 4. In verse 4, the Bible says, Then I saw thrones, and the people sitting on them had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statute, nor accepted his mark on their forehead or on their hands. They all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. 
Okay, so this is really interesting because now you've got people sitting on thrones and people judging. Mm. When we studied the judgment yesterday, we found out that God is the only one who can judge because he is the only one who can read a person's heart. Mm. And that God holds the judgment in open court before the assembled multitudes of the universe so that he can demonstrate to the universe that all of his judgments are true and righteous and loving. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we are going to have another question for the quiz, the final question for today. In 2 Kings chapter 4, God worked a miracle to multiply a widow's supply of what food product? 0491-064-669 is the number to call. This is our final question for today to get in for our draw that's happening on Friday. You just, you know, slowly running out of chances, guys. But again, in 2 Kings chapter 4, God worked a miracle to multiply a widow's supply of what food product? 491 all right, so in the passage that we're looking at here, we find that there are people who are judging, people who are sitting on thrones, people who are judging. Lawson, do you feel qualified to... Yep. You do. You're qualified to participate in the judgment. Oh, uh, I, I thought you were going to say something else. Um, but mm, Do I feel qualified to participate in the judgment? Well, um, I think if it was up to me to determine the outcome... Well, I don't know. There are people who do significant study here on this earth to be able to participate in... Judging. Judging. Do they ever get things wrong? Yes. Okay. Here you're dealing with... People's eternal salvation. Yes. Therefore, the question is, do I have the the right? You know, am I qualified? And I would say, yeah, probably not. So why then... Are people involved in the judgment? Okay, let's, let's let's think about this for a moment because we talked yesterday about how the judgment takes place before Jesus comes back. Mm-hmm. And before Jesus comes back, the decision is made as to who's saved and who's lost. Yes. And God makes this decision and God is able to demonstrate his decision because he's kept the record of every person's life so that if anyone has a question about, you know, oh, this person over here, what about that person, that person over there, you know, he can answer that question for mm-hmm. them because he can pull out the record and show what actually happened and is like, well, you might have missed this, but did you see this over here? Mm-hmm. However, here you've got a little bit of a different kind of a situation. You have uh, people who are judging after the judgment has already. Why would you have a judgment after a judgment has already happened? Well, we have. Do we have? Do we have we, of that? We we do that. What do we call that? We call it well sentencing. <laughs> Before sentencing, though, you can have another judgment. Mm-hmm. Is it's called an appeal. That's right. Mm-hmm. And you can appeal it, and then you can take it to the high court mm-hmm. and appeal it again. So there's a process of appeal in courts here on this earth, and it's and by having a process of appeal, it's a way of putting in place safety checks, mm-hmm. so that if the first judge gets it wrong, then there's an opportunity for another judge or another judge to get it right and to correct it. Mm-hmm. It's not a perfect system because there are still people who go right the way through the appeal process and are still found guilty even when they are innocent. Mm -hmm. That happens. Mm -hmm. It's called the human factor. doesn't happen in God's court. Okay, so why would you have a judgment once everybody's already been judged? Uh, And particularly because, like, 
the the question there also because God is the first person to judge. And what we see in, in the process of appeals is that you go up the chain, right? You start off with maybe your local court, then your state court, then federal court, and then Supreme Court, and then the high court. Like, you, you go up and up and up and up and up. And it's like, wait, hasn't God already judged? Why are we going down a level to get a human's opinion mm-hmm. on what has taken place here also hasn't god made the perfect decisions already on who's saved and and who's lost so this is a really relevant question Mm -hmm. and what you're going to find is that the judgment in heaven has three stages Mm -hmm. you have the investigative judgment that is the judgment in which the decision is made as to who's saved and who's lost Mm -hmm. or the decision is demonstrated because we make the decision as to whether we're saved or lost but it's demonstrated why god uh, has chosen to save some people and condemn others. Mm-hmm. That takes place before Jesus comes back because the Bible says that when Jesus comes back, his reward is with him. Mm. So clearly the judgment has already happened. Then you have this second stage, which is kind of like an appeal but kind of not. But then you're going to have a third stage as well. And the third stage you guys are going to get to study tomorrow, which will be very, very interesting Uh, a Bible study that you and Blake will have tomorrow. But in this particular particular stage, what you've got is a judgment of review, which is kind of the equivalent of our appeal, but not quite the same. Mm. And basically the way it works is this. When you get to heaven, do you think you'll be surprised with some of the people you meet? Mm -hmm. There's every possibility, right? Absolutely. It's like, what? Wait a minute. How did that person get here? Probably like a modern example of that is we we know for a fact, actually, that before he was killed in prison that uh, Jeffrey Dahmer converted to Christianity and was incredibly yes. repentant. Yes. And uh, obviously that doesn't give him the right then to leave jail because he was a horrific serial killer. But potentially we could get there and he's there. What would you say if you got there and say Epstein was there? <laughs> that's actually that's so because Epstein is like we don't even know, bro. Like, well, we don't really know about anyone, but like with Jeffrey Dahmer, it's like, oh, well, there's a very high possibility because he converted to Christianity Jesus before he died and repented. And blah, blah, blah. but Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, <laughs> what would you say if you turned up in heaven and Jeffrey Epstein was there? I don't know about you. I would be stoked. But I would have questions. Absolutely. And and I think it's... I'd be like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I feel like when we get to heaven, like there will be this sense of gladness for everyone who's there. From, yes. From the perspective that like, wow, like we were all so enslaved to sin. Yes. And praise God that we've gotten out of that because all of us, you know, sin, sin is ultimately a choice, but at the same time, like we have no ability to get out of sin other than choosing Jesus Christ. Like, what if you got to work. heaven? What if you got to heaven and the Apostle Paul wasn't there? It's like, yeah, I really want to meet the Apostle Paul. I want to sit down and discuss the theology of Romans because we've always <sighs> all wanted to do that for so long and you go looking for him and he's not there. That is cut it. Would you have questions? Yeah, absolutely. You would really have questions. Okay, and this is the whole reason why this judgment takes place. Mm-hmm. It is because when we get to heaven there are going to be surprises. Mm. For instance, I think Manasseh will be very, very surprised to find that when he gets to heaven, 
sorry, Isaiah will be very surprised when he gets to heaven to find Manasseh there. Yeah. Because his last memory of Manasseh was that Manasseh put him in a hollow log and then sawed the log in half. Yeah. You know, that's a really, really horrific way to die. Mm. And that's how Isaiah died, according to history. And, uh, And then we know that Manasseh came to God. It was like an old man, but he came to mm. God, and he was a Jeffrey Dahmer who became a Christian, mm. and he will turn up in heaven, and Manasseh will turn around, and sorry, Isaiah will turn around, and Manasseh is there, and this is the whole purpose for the millennium because the purpose of the judgment is to remove doubt from the universe. Mm. The purpose of the millennium, you know, the judgment takes place in open court in heaven before Jesus comes back, so that anyone and everyone can have any question answered whatsoever at all Mm. before God makes that decision. Mm. The problem is it has to happen before he comes back. Mm. And so we can't be there. Humans can't be there. So God's like, okay, I'll set aside a thousand years. Mm -hmm. We won't destroy Satan right yet. We'll leave him be. I'll set aside a thousand years. And uh, you can look for yourself and see that my judgments are righteous and true Mm. and loving and just. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're about to have question of the day before we do answers for the quiz questions. Answers for the quiz question. Joseph was told to name the boy Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. Who said Jesus? Who said to Jesus, "You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God"? That was Peter. Where did Jesus turn water into wine? That was the wedding in Cana. Besides King Herod, who else was disturbed by the news of the king, uh, of a new king? And it was C, all of Jerusalem. So this was a rumor that spread around. It's interesting. Uh, uh, answer D, the Roman prefect Gaius Petronius. I'm pretty sure that's a reference to the Chosen. Uh, TV show. Oh. <laughs> so, so if you chose, I was that, trying to think. Where do I remember that one from? If you chose that one, please read your Bible. And finally, instead of watching movies, <laughs> that's right. In Second Kings chapter four, God worked a miracle to multiply our widow's supply of what food product? And that was oil. The multiple multiply the widow's supply of oil. But right now, it is time for question of the day. All right, well, we have some we have some Christmas haters here. Okay. And they're asking this. The Grinch has arrived. Why do we celebrate Christmas and let pagan imagery like pine trees and baubles have any place in our faith? That's a very good question right there. And there are a couple of biblical principles that go right along with this, and we're going to look at them this morning. Because Christmas does have a very pagan origin. There is no question about that. It is not the birthday of Jesus Christ. It is the birthday of Tamils. And uh, this is something that goes all the way back to really the first great religion that uh, began after the flood that was in opposition to God. And so why do we why do we celebrate it on that particular day? The reason that it's celebrated on that day is because it was transferred from paganism to Christianity, essentially in the third, fourth, fifth century thereabouts. Um, it was transferred across and became a Christian celebration. So then. Uh, should we dispense with Christmas because it has a pagan origin? Okay, there are many things in our life that have a pagan origin. And the Bible does not demand that we dispense with something simply because it has a pagan origin. 
If we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and I encourage you all to, uh, particularly if you've got questions on this one, this really is your key chapter to study. But if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, you find that Paul deals in detail with how we should approach issues or things or objects that have a pagan origin. And in this particular case, of course, it was food offered to idols. This was something that was essential to the worship uh, of the pagan believers uh, in the Hellenistic world in which Paul was ministering and living at that particular time. And, of course, eating food offered to idols was, in many respects, a way of taking the power of that particular god into yourself. Mm. And so when a lot of people became Christians, they wouldn't eat the food that had been dedicated to idols. They would make sure that they only ever bought food that had not been dedicated to uh, you know, this God, that God, or the other God. Mm. Paul came along and was like, well, you know what, actually, um, you know, uh, an idol doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Mars doesn't exist as a God. Um, Aphrodite doesn't exist. You know, none of these Greek gods exist. Saturn, you know, etc. They just don't exist. And so why do I care? It's just food. You know, it's just it's just a piece of food. I'm just gonna eat it and it's gonna nourish my body. And Satan is not so small minded or powerless that he attaches himself to an object. Mm. Satan attaches himself to people, not mm. objects. Mm. Now, if we participate in that object as a way of giving honour to Satan, yeah, that's a way of opening the door to Satan, no question about that. But if it's just an object that, you know, in this case has been repurposed, I mean, uh, then is neither here nor it has no moral quality whatsoever at all. And so a pine tree, a Christmas tree for a Christian has no moral quality in and of itself for a Christian. Mm. Now, if you worship the tree, then yeah, you've got a problem. If you worship the baubles on the tree, you've got a problem. If you worship anyone other than Jesus Christ at Christmas time, you've got a problem. We should not be so worried about the pagan origins of Christmas as we are worried about the pagan commercialization of Christmas mm. that we have right now. That is the real enemy of Christmas that we have to face in our day and age. All right. Well, this afternoon I'm heading off to Botswana. See you later. <laughs> yep. See you all. Um, you're going to be in Blake's very, very capable hands. Mm. Blake and Lawson will be looking after you all, so keep me in your prayers. And- nah, as soon as you're gone, I'm checked out too. Ah. It's going to be the Blake show. The Blake show. Mm-hmm. Blake and, and producer Shell. No, Lawson will be here. <laughs> I have to uh, be he'll here. be looking after you guys. And so, yeah, stay tuned. Uh-huh. Uh, there'll be some great programming over the next couple of days, taking you right the way through to Christmas. Don't forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.